Only in Jeff Styles America. And welcome back to Only in Jeff Styles America. And I promise we're going to work on that uh, little jingle at the very beginning. That is the man who came up with it, so I figure I ought to give him some props. But we know that he is tone deaf and that his voice sucks. Uh, we'll get a, a some sort of church gospel choir to do that and really just make it soar at some point. Uh, I am Jeff Stiles. I was a 26-year talk radio veteran here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have called Chattanooga home um, off and on since 1984. I live way out in the frontier of the Tennessee wilderness in Sequatchie County, but I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want you coming after me if you don't like something I say. Now, here's here's the deal. Um, JeffStylesAmerica.com, the website, uh, where you probably went to be able to hear this, even though it will be coming out in different areas and different formats. This is my new gig. And I was forced to, to do this whole podcast thing because I was, you know, I'm not going to go back and tell the story. The first two podcasts on the website are the story of what happened to me earlier this summer. And it involves law enforcement and tomahawks and getting shot. And it makes for a good story. The third podcast, which I actually just released uh, Monday of this week, I'm not sure when this will be released, uh, but we're going into Labor Day, uh, was the same day I was fired from that very same radio station that I made millions and millions of dollars for. And it was a very unceremonious departure, I hate to say. It wasn't the local folks. It was uh, the corporate folks. And that was part of the entire uh, cautionary tale that I was trying to tell. I wanted to get my story out and I did. I was really proud of the third one. I hope you go back and listen to it. The story of black velvet Jesus and the South Texas death ride. Now this is kind of the template for what I want to do. I didn't think I would do one this week because a, I got fired from my job of over a quarter century and B because it was coming up on Labor Day weekend and C because after spending maybe too much time on current events last week, we did have one big one this week. And that was the passing of John McCain. And I know I said a fairly discouraging word or two about our current POTUS, uh, President of the United States, uh, Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump, a man I do not admire in the least. And I will say this again, I do try to find the places where I can find common ground with them and, and always bring them out. So you folks out there who I can't even begin to understand the intricacies of your mind, but you, you support him and you think he's doing a great job. Um, I thought that it was over when he actually went after John McCain. I said on the air at the time, I, there's no way he survives this. You can't go after a war hero like that. Somebody that, you know, did what he did. Well, you saw the changing of the mind, uh, pretty much in sync with the changing of the flag, half staff, quarter staff, Full staff, mass staff, um, every kind of staff you could possibly imagine. Remember Little John and Robin Hood? They had the staff fight. They, 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 that's sort of it's been a staff fight. Um, President Trump knows that uh, America is is mourning the loss of John McCain, and and I do as well. I think that the very best choice that we've ever had in my lifetime, and I'll be fifty eight next month, uh, as far as you know, the presidency was when John McCain ran against Barack Obama. Uh, I was okay either way with that choice, as opposed to the last time where either choice sucked, sucked out loud. So anyway, the podcast is now my gig. 
Uh, I don't want to get into the whole separation from the company thing. That's just, I don't want to keep going back to the story. I'll give you updates on the story as it happens, but it's just this simple. Somebody said it a long time ago. I think it was the same person that said a fool and his money are soon parted and there's a sucker born every minute. P.T. Barnum, the show must go on. So here's what today's, and this is going to be a kind of an abbreviated show today. I'm going to try to move as quickly as I can. It, it's, it's all about. The fact is, is that my career in talk radio here in Chattanooga, Tennessee is probably over. There are some stations that want to talk to me and there's stations all over the country that want to talk to me, but I'm kind of liking this whole podcast thing. I'm, I'm seeing the creativity behind it. I'm seeing the, the need for it and I'm seeing a growing market. And uh, so it might be something I can, I can stick around with. And having done that first story, the first podcast, which tells my story, as I said, uh, and the second one, it kind of let the wind out of myself. So I didn't really feel uh, the vengeance and the need and the, the hate and the bitterness and the resentment and all that stuff that I was really just, just gnawing on for quite some time. And I decided it was time for a change of, of attitude. It was up to me. Ooh, it's your attitude. So at this point, it has not exactly been like a vacation. I've been recuperating from a gunshot wound. I've been sitting in a house out in the middle of the woods that has a little Wi-Fi bubble about 10 feet in diameter uh, that I have to, you know, do any emailing or phone calling from and uh, have been ignoring the news for the most part. Um, But I've got to get busy. I've got to get busy and I've got to get back to work. I've got to make a living for my family and so this is where it really begins. Listen to that third podcast. I want to get your feedback on it. But um, this, this is my job and my duty right now. I go to work. Yeah, I go to work, y'all. I go to work. So check it out. So welcome to Only in Jeff Styles America at JeffStylesAmerica.com and any other a uh, launching platform that anybody is uh, is willing to actually launch it from. Uh, I need as many hits as I can get. I need people to listen. I need people to like. I need people to subscribe. I need people to advertise if I'm going to actually keep this going and, and uh, make this a viable living, which I really want to do. I'm going to go ahead and say thank you right off the bat to all of the supporters that have come out of the woodwork. And trust me, after going through what I have just gone through, they have been legion. And some of the... The, the support has really been from surprising corners. Um, one that did not surprise me was my friend Robin Ring at Choo Choo Realty. Choo Choo Realty.com. Robin Ring is the matron. She is the, uh, the saint of local real estate. She can help you find a house, build a house, sell a house, flip a house, learn how to flip houses, get into the business if that's what you want to do. She's got warehouse space, manufacturing space. She builds metal houses. I don't mean metal warehouses or storerooms. I mean, metal homes that are actually beautiful and solid as a rock choochoorealty.com and thank you robin and to the staff over there for sticking with me through in this very uh, trying period i would say only in jeff styles america all right one of the things i want to do is start off with 
each of these podcasts with a, a few current events. And, and I had the only current events that matter today, the passing of John McCain and the termination of one El Jefe Jeff Stiles from his 26-year job as a talk radio host. And it's today's story. Every single one of these podcasts is going to contain a story from my life. Uh, these are real stories, true stories that people can back up. Sometimes I'll use names. Sometimes I want, I won't. But today it just, it hit me because of the, the, the way my mind has changed and things have transformed for me. I've had to look at things very differently. I've had to look at my future very differently. I've had to try to convince other people to listen to my story from a different perspective because it was told to them one way and then another. So this is all about changing perspectives. And you can get locked into a subjective viewpoint in anything, in your job, in your relationship, and, and in just a given situation. And, and sometimes that can really prove to be problematic, if not even fatal, dangerous to you. Sometimes it can actually prove to be kind of funny as well. You wouldn't know it was funny until later. Now, I'm going to give you three quick stories instead of one long one today. And I'm going to be as brief as I can. But all of them have to do with perspective and that certain shaft of light that can come down from on high and suddenly show you a very different layout, a very different landscape or whatever it might be, but, but give you a different take on things. I mentioned in the very first podcast, the remarkably bad timing of losing a very good friend, Bobby Stone, um, as we were beginning to launch this venture and Bobby, unlike myself, who have spent uh, since I was 14 years old and moved to the South from this Spielbergian suburban Dayton, Ohio town where every third home looked exactly the same. And I moved, moved out into this, you know, 350 acre farm in this Southern Gothic mansion. And the friends around me were all into camping and hunting and fishing. And I became Southern and I became country very quickly. And we challenged each other and we did really dumb, dangerous things to prove we were men. And I've been trying to kill myself since then. And I've been a hang glider pilot and a kayaker and I've been a scuba diver and I've done bungee jumping and I've done rock climbing and I've done just about everything you can possibly imagine. As a matter of fact, if it's out there, I've tried to do it. I guess I've gotten to the point in life where I can't do that anymore. Bobby was the opposite of me. Our lives paralleled each other in many, many, many ways. And one of the things that I think speaks the most about Bobby is that I knew him for so long before I even realized that he had money. He was actually from one of what we would call the old money uh, families here in Chattanooga, uh, Finley Stadium, where the UTC Mocs play. Um, that's named after Max Finley, his grandfather. He is not an adventurous, was not an adventurous man. Um, I was, a, you know, I skateboarded all my life. How I broke my leg last year. Um, I couldn't have gotten Bobby on a skateboard with a shotgun. There's no way on God's green earth. He just wasn't an adventurous soul. He was very cautious. And unfortunately, he did um, pass away on the water doing one love, which was sailing. And sailing is an inherently dangerous sport, but he knew it very, very well. The one time, the one time I got Bobby out in a kayak, or actually he and his partner, longtime partner, Dave Lang, were in a canoe and I was in a kayak. And we did a local river called the Hawassi. The Hawassi is a fairly gentle river if you want it to be. And you can find adventure if you look for it. But it does come down to a point where you have to kind of funnel through where all the water goes through and all the water volume, a wave train. And it's just four or five big standing waves. It's very forgiving. 
if for whatever reason you have to swim and come out of your boat, it doesn't have any big hydraulics or, you know, keeper rapids or strainers. And it's just a lot of fun. But um, Bobby was in the front of my canoe, just a, a small 12-foot fiberglass canoe, old school. Dave was in the back because he was a more experienced paddler. And they'd had to, you know, to actually stop several times and pump out the water because it wasn't really set up for white water. And I was kayaking next to them. And they were having a ball. They were having a good time. And they were drinking. Alcohol was involved. I will just go ahead and say it right now. And the funniest thing that was spoken out loud during Bobby's wake and the time that I spent with the friends and the family members and people were telling stories was a story I'd forgotten about. It was this story. And as we finally approached after carefully manipulating our way around and trying to make sure that they didn't go through anything dangerous, um, we went through the wave train. And because they were two pretty good sized men, and this was a very old school, you know, canoe that had no flotation devices in it. The very first wave broke over the bow, hitting Bobby in the chest and then filling up the back end, which immediately went under. Now, Dave, of course, being Dave, grabs his beer. He's got a life jacket on. He grabs the paddle, which I told them to do at the beginning of this trip, which had started about three hours earlier. And he is now floating in the water. He is in the water completely. And the canoe is underwater except for the very, very front end. The, 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 the bow of the boat, the, uh, the prow, the, the, I'm the king of the world place where Leonardo DiCaprio would have been. And Bobby is still up there paddling with all his might. He doesn't realize the boat is underwater. He doesn't realize that he's lost his paddling buddy. And he's going, we can make it. We can make it. We can do it. Come on, man. Hit it hard. And he's going through wave after wave until finally Dave catches up with him floating in the water with his beer in his hand, just giving him this funny look. And Bobby looks and he turns around behind him and he goes, oh, hell, and just falls out. And he himself grabs a beer in his paddle and is like, he had no idea. He was confident they were going to get through that wave train and they were going to make it to the end without capsizing. And he had been capsized the entire time. And the expression on his face when he finally realized what was going on and the laughter that, that just struck out from everybody because people kind of gather around that spot to watch people wipe out was absolutely phenomenal. And of course he, he acted like he was angry for a long time uh, because it made him look foolish, but actually I think he enjoyed it quite a bit. That's just story one. How creek one day grows up to be a river. The second story of today also involves water. I said I would try to move quickly here. And the first time I ever heard something like this was from my minister. Um, she was a lovely lady. She was from New Orleans. And she was the minister at the Unitarian Universalist Church here in Chattanooga. And um, she talked about a very similar story that happened to my wife and the very similar reaction that she had when she realized when a certain shaft of light suddenly struck down from on high from the heavens and she realized what was happening around her, but she thought she was about to die. So did my wife. We were on the Okoe River. The Okoe is about three or four steps above the Hawassi. Um, you can cheat some of the major rapids on the Okoe, but you really need to know what you're doing if you're going to get on it. You can raft it, but it's still dangerous. If you come out of the raft, you can, you can get hurt. This is not a ride at Six Flags. 
And, um, you know, I was a, a, a you know, Okoe level paddler and enjoyed doing it. The 1996 Olympics were held there and the Whitewater um, Games were held up there. And it was really something to see. And they put together this visitor center with all the money they were getting from Atlanta. Remember, the 96 Olympics were held in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Whitewater had not been on the you know, itinerary on the curriculum for quite some time. So we had the best paddlers in the world. And the visitor center is a really cool place where they've got these little walkways that go down through. And it's still, I mean, it's, it's natural river water that's coming through there, but the TVA controls it and they turn it on and off. And my wife and I, Rebecca, went up there one day and we kind of did a little picnic thing. And I swam out to this rock that was just perfect for just sitting there and eating a sandwich. And she kind of just let herself flow downstream. She's Venezuelan. She's a strong swimmer. She's a very strong woman. She's very athletic and uh, loves the outdoors. But this is a pushy river. It has a lot of water flowing through it. I don't the CFS, the cubic feet per second on the Okoe on a regular day. It's probably going to be about 6,500. At flood level, it'd be nine, ten thousand. 10,000. Um, that's a lot of water. Uh, imagine a basketball in, a, in an acrylic square, all right, in an acrylic cube. That's a cubic foot. Now imagine 6,500 of those going in front of you in one second. That's the kind of pushy water we're talking about. So I'm sitting there on this rock, and my wife is now beginning to try to swim back to me. She's gone downstream, and she's really swimming hard, and she's swimming harder, and she's swimming harder, and she's swimming harder. And I'm just kind of sitting there wondering, what in the world is she doing? I mean, why is she killing herself there? I mean, she looks like she's really, I mean, maybe it's a workout or something. I had no idea that in her mind, she was about to drown. I was about to lose her. She was about to lose me. She was, she was tiring out. She was about to go under, and she couldn't understand while I was sitting there taking another bite out of my sandwich, looking very completely at ease with the situation. And finally, I said, honey, stand up. And she did and realized that she was in about four feet of water. She had started in eight feet of water. But then the surface that they had actually made for this area had come up to meet her, but she had no idea because she was on the surface. And so she was swimming with all her might, essentially against this incredible undertow and this, this, this rip current, and you couldn't do it, you can't win. And she was going, why is he just sitting there letting me die? And when I said stand up, and she did, you can't believe the mixture of emotions that went across her face, from being chagrined and embarrassed to being furious. And when a Venezuelan woman is angry at you, let's just say I went upstream very quickly and quite a, a ways because she is already winded. She couldn't keep up with me at that point, and she finally got over it. Again, it's all about perspective, and it's about being locked into something and just not letting go of the path that you're on. That's what we're talking about today. The third and final is the same group of people that I mentioned last week when I was talking about the South Texas death ride and Black Velvet Jesus, and the same group of friends that was out west. One of them is the state ornithologist, that means bird watcher for a lot of you people. They actually have state bird watchers for the state of Georgia. He is one of the finest people I've ever known in my life. He's fairly quiet and unassuming, but he is a consummate outdoorsman. He can tell you as a bird goes by at speeds where you can barely even see if it's a bird. 
and he can tell you what it was, what kind of sound it makes. He can mimic the sound. And uh, he is considered uh, just one of the great naturalists in the southeast. And we were overlooking the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. Idaho is a very overlooked state. It's a beautiful state. It is phenomenal. It truly is. And in the Snake River Canyon where we went, it has a different name now. But back in that day, in 1980, it was called the National Birds of Prey Refuge Area. And what made it a super specially attractive place to him was that it was a place where many peregrine falcons were. And we do have peregrine falcons around here, but not like they do out there. And these are the fastest animals on the planet. When they go into a power dive, they exceed 200 miles an hour. And you're out there in this place that looks like it's the surface of the moon. And out of the three people I was out there with, Jim was the only one who would ever even drink a beer. These guys are really straight edge. And so Jim and I were discussing women around the campfire and some of the mysteries of life. The other two guys went to bed early, so we got a six-pack. And we decided to go out and perch out and look out over the river in the moonlight. And we were up on this rocky crag. And we'd gotten out there easy enough. It took a little bit of rock hopping. But we sat there and drank, you know, three beers between us. And uh, we, you know, solved all the problems of the world, of course. And looking out over this incredible view. And it was, oh, thank you, Lord, for getting us out of here. So it was time to go back to camp. And as we start making our way back, and now, of course, the moon has gone behind clouds. And we're beginning to deal with some shadows. and making sure that we're not falling to our deaths. And we get to this big ditch, this huge big drop-off. And we could see where we needed to be. It was only like six, eight feet right over there. And we didn't remember crossing this cleft in the land. And so we obviously we, we were going out a different way than we came in. So we started following this dark, deep crevasse. And we followed it for like 100 yards. This guy's got eyes like an eagle himself. And we're just looking and looking. And going, how did we get out? I mean, we don't know how deep it is. This doesn't go to the center of the earth. Is it, is it just four or five feet deep? We don't know. But we couldn't get to the other side. There was no break. And so finally, I said, well, man, we're going to have to figure out. I got to lower you down. I mean, I, so I got braced. And I held on to him with all my might. And he leaned out and just very carefully He was going to put his foot over in that crevasse and see if he couldn't find a foothold. And his foot went right on the road. It was the road. It was the asphalt road that we had driven in on. And we had been walking down the side of it for 100 yards, thinking that it was a massive cliff just like something would just divide up in a Hollywood movie during an earthquake that would swallow us whole. And we were both absolutely so humiliated at ourselves. It took us a long time to learn to laugh at it. We made each other swear that we would never tell anybody about this story. And we walked across it and we looked at it and we were going, how could we have been? So then we're talking three beers, no hallucinogenics, no dough, no nothing, right? And, and it was just an amazing moment. But it will show you that even when you think you know what you're doing and you're surrounded by people who know what they're doing, you can be locked into a mindset. All it takes is just a little bit of somebody else's viewpoint, a little bit of a, an opinion from over here. Why don't you try this? Just It could be a child's voice. It could be that certain shaft of light that just shows you it's not what you think it is. And as I go into this new phase of my life, I'm going to try my best to keep my ears and eyes open to 
the possibilities that are out there and listen to other people. I'm going to do the very, very best I can to do that. So what it takes when life has handed you a really bad hand, you got to play the hand, right? You can't get up from the game. You get up from the game, you're dead. So you got to play that hand and you just got to do the best you can. And the only thing you can change is your attitude. And if there's anything out there that could change a bad morning, a bad afternoon, you can eat them anytime you want to as a big stack of Aretha Frankenstein's pancakes. If that doesn't change your attitude, I don't care what's happened. I don't care if you've just wrecked the car. I don't care if the garage is on fire. I don't care if you decided, you know, I may have cholera. Those pancakes are going to make your life much better in the time it takes you to eat them. Aretha Frankenstein's here in town and Aretha Frankenstein's pancake makes available at your grocery store the absolute best stack of pancakes you'll ever have. And we appreciate those folks advertising on this podcast and this website and supporting me and my new venture. Only in Jeff Styles, America. And at the end of every one of these podcasts, I'm going to try to have a moral of the story or a thought of the day. Or there's something you can think about, ponder, chew on until the next time. And this one comes from those great philosophers, that Algonquin round table of rock and roll known as the Grateful Dead. Well, I ain't often right, but I've never been wrong. Seldom turns out the way it does in the song. Once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. And that's the thought of the day. Only in Jeff Styles, America. Thank you very much to Aretha Frankenstein's. Thank you very much to ChooChooRealty.com. Thank you to all the people out there who have supported me and helped me and given me pats on the back. There's actually going to be a tribute uh, concert, local musicians that I've helped over the years because music is a passion of mine. It's going to be held later on in September. And also two new advertisers who will be joining us starting next week. And I'm going to give them a shout out right now. PhotoDoctorTN.com. PhotoDoctorTN.com. I will not mention his name yet, but he is truly a renaissance man. And this is a business, one of his many, where he actually takes old photographs of your grandparents or, or your life that have been damaged and he resurrects them. It's a fantastic service and I've used it many times. And yes, This might strike some people as odd, but rmjtactical.com, the makers of that very tomahawk that was such a sensational weapon in the eyes and ears and minds and uh, voices and mouths of local media and law enforcement and other folks, but that's Ryan Johnson, one of the world's great knife makers, and he got into the business of making these tomahawks for our special services overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. So rmjtactical.com, just check it out. Be amazed because life doesn't give do-overs. Thank you very much for listening. JeffStylesAmerica.com. Spread the word only in Jeff Styles America where you get stories like these and many, many more.